Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome to the show tonight. We've got a great show lined up for you. My name is Charlotte. And I'm going to be your host for the evening, for the next hour or so anyway, probably an hour. Welcome. We are the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team at www.californiahaunts.org. You can, uh, you can find all the radio shows and everything going back for the last year at www.californiahauntsradio.com. I want to welcome everybody. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> dang McDonald's anyway. I'm giving McDonald's a plug tonight. The Happy Meals. Have, have you guys uh, looked at the Happy Meal toys? It's it's like 50 years of Walt Disney World, so it's 50 characters that they're they're they're, they're stuffing in these things. And and uh, somebody I know got an R2D2 that was really cool. So of course the quest was on. But once I started, you know, once I got my first one, because I'm not supposed to eat that kind of food, bad for my health. It's like a 2.95 heart attack, right, or whatever they cost. And um, I ended up getting a Daisy Duck, and then I started to think, and I thought, you know, these are about the, the same size as Christmas ornaments. And I remember years ago, I had ordered from Franklin Mint or Bradford Exchange the Disney ornaments, and they were really pricey. And over the years, they've kind of gotten broken or lost or whatever. So I finally, um, this time I got it in my head that I want to have, you know, the, the, these things for Disney ornaments. So all my friends are out going to McDonald's to buy Happy Meals for me now because I really want these things. So here's the word out. If any of you guys are listening to this show and you happen to get a Happy Meal, send them, send the toy my way because I'm just going to use a glue gun and get some string and I'm just going to hang them up and put them on my tree. So that's the goal is to make them into Christmas ornaments. Anyway, welcome to the show. Um, our guest tonight um, has, a, has a nice story to tell. Um, she was molested as a child, Sandra Cruz, and uh, that's what she does. She uh, helps people with trauma, you know, that, that have gone through, you know, trauma like that, or other types of trauma too. I mean, that's that's not the only kind of trauma, but that's what she does. And so she's going to be talking with us tonight uh, to tell us about what she does, and you know, maybe talk about a couple of her cases, you know, without mentioning names, of course. But um, she. Uh, does wonderful work with people, and uh, that's why I wanted to get her on, have her on the show because being a newspaper reporter like I was for years um, and beats that I covered, I did come in contact with a lot of people that had come in had come from trauma situations, and some of them ended up in jail, you know, because they had 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 that. I mean, there was one particular case that I, I that when I was first there of a wife that killed her husband because he constantly was beating her up and, and, and doing other stuff to her, you know, and it finally got to be too much and she pulled the trigger. So, I mean, this is, this is what happens when this stuff can build up in people, you know, and I've seen it with kids and juvenile cases and whatnot and the different things that I've seen over the years. So I'm really excited to have Sandra on. So let me, um, let me bring Sandra on for you guys. We can talk to her. Hello. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? 
Good. If you have any Happy Meal toys, let me <laughs> let me know. I think then. here in Canada we get other ones than you get. In oh, there you go. There you go. It's a quest. You know, it's like you, you start getting one. You're like, hey, these are cool. <laughs> I've been to like four different. I'm not supposed to eat that stuff. I've been to four different McDonald's in my area. And I, the whole last week I went to four different McDonald's <laughs> to get four different toys. Right now I'm starting the circuit again. Tell me about yourself, ma'am. Well, where should I start? Originally from Germany, love brought me to Canada, and now I've been here for 17 years and counting. <laughs> um, I'm an intuitive trauma release and self-empowerment coach, mm -hmm. certified traumatic incident reduction facilitator, and published author, among other things. I think those are the three major ones. Well, let's talk about your, the trauma that you went through. I mean, what, what, what led you up to doing this, to becoming a trauma coach? Well, if you had told me, let's say 10 years ago, that I would become a trauma coach and write a book about trauma healing, <laughs> I would have laughed. <laughs> it really was not something I expected to happen, but I guess you grow in those things. Well, my story is started when I was 12. I was molested. Then at 14, I was sexually harassed. From the age of 16 to 17, I was bullied in school. Between the age of 19 and 25, I was sexually assaulted multiple times. And at the age of 22, I was raped. And when I went to see a psychologist after I was raped and I just knew that I needed help, after the first session, he dismissed me with the words that he believed that I had already worked through it all what he was supposed to do. Hmm. And that was the point where I hit rock bottom. Now, the thing with rock bottom is you can either stay down there and find a way to cope or you pull yourself back up. At that point, I hadn't realized that what I was doing was pulling myself back up. But the more I continued on my healing journey, the more I realized that I was healing. The more aha moments I had, the more I understood trauma and the easier it became to let it go. And so I guess I became so passionate about trauma healing because from my own journey, I really understood trauma and I understood what we have to do to heal that I just said, I want to help others because people have to know that it's really not this hard. Mm -hmm. People need to know how they can heal and live happy lives in your case was it a family member that molested you no okay no it wasn't luckily yeah. it was the stable master where i took care of a pony mm. and then you were raped like you said um yes that, that happened was a too. friend that was basically my then boy boyfriend's best friend mm. So it seems like, I mean, you're, I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing somebody would say, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, somebody looking at it would say, well, you, 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 you know, you brought it on yourself because you, you had, you know, this happened repeatedly to you, but I mean, I, that's not how it works, obviously. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I didn't say here, pick me, pick me every time. <laughs> really not. I mean, when I was raped, I was wearing a baggy t-shirt and sweatpants, the most unsexy thing on the planet. And it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really, 
I mean, I really, I get that we really have to get over this stigma that women just asked for it. Right. But to be honest, if men were raised right, this wouldn't happen. Because usually we're not even asked. We're never asked when this happens. So it was not like we were asking for it because no one asked us. Exactly, exactly. And then you were bullied. Did that have something, I mean, did that have something to do with what had happened to you? Or was it something where, where like, like with you, you know, by then, you know, after going through that trauma, you probably didn't feel like a person or, you know, you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the bullying, I have no idea how it started or why okay. it started. And it wasn't just one or two kids. It was almost two full classes, like my class and the neighboring class for over a year mm. and I don't know maybe I just liked learning too much and they didn't like that I don't know it's usually the nerdy the smart kids I guess they get bullied sure because the others are just jealous or upset about something but I never thought I was pretty I never thought I was very smart or anything just I don't know I to this day I don't know why they started the bullying okay but I made it through. You did. You look good. You Thank sound you. good. You Thank sound you. good. So what happens when somebody, um, you know, comes, you know, hires you or or, or, t- or you take somebody on to help them with their trauma? Well, people who, I would say, find me, who feel mm-hmm. drawn to my work, they're ready to heal. You know, when we know we need healing and we go and see a psychologist and say, okay, he's going to help me through this. Well, it only works if you really want it. You have to want to heal because ultimately you're the one who's doing the work. Mm-hmm. No doctor, psychologist, therapist, or facilitator on the planet can help you if you don't want it. Because healing is an inside job. So and those people that find me, they usually fed up they say they 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 know that there's so much more to life but they're held back by their past and they just want it gone they're so sick of it so they're no longer the victims they move past this they're just survivors and they just say i don't want it anymore it's driving me crazy and those people they move through the trauma healing process so fast because they really want it Um, are there people that hide it that when they're coming to you, can you tell if somebody isn't telling the whole story? Yeah, most definitely. Because you just know, I mean, one trauma survivor will always know another one, Okay. you know? So yeah, I know when they're hiding something, Because but me, I will not just tell right. them, I will right. be gentle, you know, helping them to open up. Right. But, yeah, I know. Because to me, it would be—I don't know—you know—the people that I've met that I've interviewed in the past, in the past as a newspaper reporter, they've always been embarrassed about having been abused. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's understandable. I mean, for the longest time, I was too, but I was raised with the belief you don't talk about it. What mm-hmm. would the neighbors think? So it was not about what happened to me, but it was about. What would other people say about what happened? So, you know, inadvertently without realizing it, my family made me feel bad about what happened to me. So it was never about me, it was always about the others. 
-hmm. And most people are raised like this. Luckily, mm -hmm. this is changing now because people are more aware. I know my son will never be embarrassed of anything. This should happen. Hope not, but I'll make sure he will never be embarrassed about it. But yeah, this is usually how it is. And this is something we have to overcome that this is something that happened to us and we have every right to tell the story. And talking about it is so empowering. The first time we hear ourselves talk about it. I guess that's because, like you say, that people hold, will hold this in. They'll hold the abuse in. They won't say anything. Yeah. And I mean, there is, you're right, there's, there's generations of people that were taught not to say anything. You know, people that come in from, say, the 30s to the 50s that are, that are even in a, a marriage situation where they're taught that you have to obey your husband no matter what. Right. And they're not going to say anything. Exactly. But it's all conditioning. Yeah. This is trauma in itself. Yeah. Which can be healed. So how do you go about healing that? You get them to start talking to you, and then how does that work? Well, usually we have like like a 30-minute chat, which I, of course, offer for free. So we just talk to each other, get to know one another. They can feel out if they feel comfortable with me because it's so important that a person feels comfortable with the person they want to heal that trauma with because trauma is something so personal. Mm -hmm. You have to feel comfortable with the person you want to work with. So, and then we just talk about what happened. And then as we talk, we will talk about what is the best approach for them. Some go with traumatic incident reduction, which is an amazing modality for trauma, trigger, and PTSD release. And it's been around since the 80s. And I absolutely love this modality. I always say that it's the most amazing trauma healing modality no one has ever heard about. <laughs> because literally no one has but it's very fast but it's very gentle so you could release one traumatic issue within five to six sessions compared to years and years in therapy or if their trauma is not as deep anymore then mm -hmm. we use coaching you know so it really depends on where they are on their journey I basically meet them where they're at and grow with them so we're at the, basically the same level. And then I just help them along the way until they don't need me anymore. Do you think it helps when they, or do you tell them that, 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 that you had something happen to you yes. to kind of break the ice with them? Yes. It's very helpful to people because then they see that I actually know, especially when it comes to sexual assault and rape and bullying. I know how it feels. I've been there. I've done it. Well, I haven't done it. I had experienced it. Right, right. But I also know how incredible it feels to be free of it. So I know both sides. So not only do I tell them, yes, I know, but they can see that there's hope because I'm on the other side of it. So, yeah, it definitely helps a lot. Um, once they start talking to you, can, can you tell it that, that, that it's very releasing for them? Do they end up going, you know, faster and faster, I'm not going to say faster and faster, but they're opening up more and more, you know, once they get to that point, right? Right. Yes, it is really beautiful to see that. I mean, when we do work through TIR, it's a very specific process where they're like gradually releasing trigger after trigger. And you can really see the shift happening when this 
aha moment comes when they realize something and then just a big chunk of the trauma just falls off and they breathe easier and they start taking better care of themselves for example you know mm -hmm. like they they come back to themselves like i'm working with a woman and she has been through so much in her life and all of a sudden she calls me and just says i want to go to the hairdresser i want to get my nails done i never wanted this you know and things like that they make me so happy because they shifted and we didn't have that many sessions hmm. this is so beautiful to see how they're mm -hmm. changing mm -hmm. this is all interesting to me you know um when you talk about triggers what do you mean by triggers well trigger so <laughs> there's many different kinds of triggers a trigger is an emotional response brought on by something you saw you heard someone said or did that basically triggers an emotional memory from the past so let's okay. say you have an argument with your partner and all of a sudden he or she says something and you're just blind rage from zero to a hundred you're being triggered, but not by your spouse or partner, but by something that reminded you of a traumatic or upsetting event from the past. But in this moment, we don't realize that because we're so overwhelmed from the emotions. And so that's a trigger. But once we understand triggers, we can release them. It's very easy. I mean, I still have the odd trigger come up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. We all do. We always have triggers come up, but they get less and less and less because the most severe ones we already dealt with. But when I'm being triggered, I can tell. And so I can shift out of my emotion like immediately because I know that situation right there is not the reason why I'm being triggered. So and then I look at a trigger and unravel it and bring understanding to it. And with that, I can release it, mm -hmm. which is also something I teach my clients to do it themselves. Okay. Um, when you talk about, when, when people hear about abuse, the first thing they think about is sexual abuse. But there's also a lot of other types of trauma. Can, can you talk about that? Sure. Well, really, anything that makes us think less of ourselves or dims our light is trauma. Even if we're a little child and our parent was busy for a second we were so excited wanted to show him a picture and say well I can't right now can we do this later or and we feel upset in this moment you know it's just something small but if it continues to be if you continue to be dismissed for example for little things that emotion builds up and builds up and builds up and before we know we're adults and think we're not worthy of anything from that little dismissal because our parent was busy for mm -hmm. example then there's other traumas like car accident or we see something happen that doesn't happen to us but to someone else all this causes trauma now abuse comes in many different forms it can be physical abuse it can be mental abuse we can abuse ourselves without knowing it because we keep telling ourselves the worst things i mean our ego can really be mean so yeah abuse comes in so many forms anything that dims our light is abuse because okay. it doesn't help us thrive and whatever doesn't help us thrive in essence is abuse mm -hmm. 
big or small. I was thinking about the military. I'm surprised you don't hear a lot more stories of people that have signed up to go in the military and then they end up getting out because they're so traumatized because, you know, the drill sergeants and stuff. Because, I mean, talk about mental abuse. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though I'm not, I'm not cutting the military, I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to assume why. Yeah. People don't talk about it. I mean, we can all assume why they do that. But yes, there's a lot of trauma in the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of PTSD, which also can be healed. Mm-hmm. We can completely recover from PTSD, completely release it. Because in essence, PTSD is a very intense trigger that catapults us back to the moment we were traumatized. But even that we can release, mm-hmm. which is amazing. That is amazing because the stuff that they see that we've never seen, you know, that they go through is incredible. Exactly. What do you think, um, like, with somebody that's been, let's say, like, like, let's talk about abuse. I mean, you know, like, between a husband and wife, you know, that that verbal abuse, how deep does that go to somebody? I mean, when somebody's just pounded by by somebody else, I mean, what kind of scars does that leave? Well, it really depends on a story because if someone has an abusive spouse, usually they already had abuse growing up. Okay. It's just like uh, the cycle that keeps on reappearing. And so we're already preconditioned to trauma. And the constant abuse of, let's say, a narcissistic spouse is you're getting numb at first, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like constantly. So you just completely shut out, zone out. So you don't hear that and you just take it all on. And it's extremely difficult when the partner is abusive one day and the kindest person the next day, Mm -hmm. because this is really this flip flopping back and forth is really breaking down all your defenses. So you don't even know what's up or down at the end. you think you're the problem? Because your spouse makes you believe that gradually. And then you always look for the fault in yourself. And this is one of the reasons why so many abused partners cannot leave their relationship because they're always being sucked back in. And it's so difficult to really find the strength and the courage to say, no, this is enough. I'm going. So like like, like you were saying, I've been been thinking about that while you were talking before too, is a person that's been abused. Like you say, the cycle continues. Is that because that's the only only way they know how to function? Yes and no. (laughs) This is different levels. Well, Mm -hmm. on a, spiritual level we're already preconditioned to it because we're on the energetic level we're looking for a person who resonates with our energy on the same level and if we're an abuse victim then we're on a lower level and then person with that same energetic level is coming into our lives and they're usually the abuser not always luckily but a lot of times Okay. There's a lot of people who have this um, need to help others. They look to nurture people 
And narcissists love to be nurtured. They love that we really pamper them into oblivion mm-hmm. and really dote on them. So those are like, you know, they find each other a lot of times. And yeah, it's, it's a vicious cycle. But once you break free, you can heal. And once you heal, you start attracting different people. Because you're not in that traumatized mindset anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of people that, I, like, like the ones I was talking about in the intro to the show, the people that, that are pushed too far, you know, when they end up killing a spouse or something, is that, it gets far because they don't go seek help. Well, what are the reasons they don't go seek help? Are they afraid? Or like you say, are they just stuck in that to where they're, they're just so, you know, so inclined to live in that lifestyle well most people who are in those relationships they don't realize that they're being abused okay for them it's been it's normal because it's gradually been getting worse Mm -hmm. but at some point you can suppress only so much at some point you just snap because it was one time too many it's like they're called crimes of passion i believe right right just you just the brain takes out and you go into defense mode. I mean, into, yeah, you're basically protecting yourself. Right. And this is just being pushed too far. Understood. Understood. Can you tell me, I mean, you told me about this case, you're you know, this client you're working with now. Can you tell me about a couple other, you know, a couple of others? You don't have to mention names or anything. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, I have a couple in my book, so okay. we'll talk about those. Yes. Sure. Well, I have had a client and she was also sexually abused. It was her father and she was bullied in school and she was raped by her first boyfriend. And so we really worked through all the steps and the worst issue that she had to release was when she was pregnant and her then narcissistic boyfriend forced her into an abortion and to type her tubes at early 20. And she was actually considering keeping the child, but he made her so scared saying that if you keep the child, I'm going to kill you both. And then on the way to the clinic, he was completely flip-flopping saying, you're going to kill my child, like really guilt tripping her. So abusing her left and right the whole time. She didn't even know what was up, what was down. She was constantly abused from the morning until the night. And she did have an abortion that day and she did get her tubes tied. And this was the worst trauma she had to release. And she did it so fast. It was incredible. Now it's just a story to her. It doesn't phase her anymore. Just really amazing. Wow. And the same with the other traumas she went through. It's, it's really, what's really holding us hostage is us because we're not allowing ourselves to let it go. Because as angry as we are at other people, we are the ones who are angry. They probably don't even care about us anymore because it's been so long ago, but we're holding on to it. So once we allow ourselves to let it go and really move through and past it, 
it's just gone. I mean, the memory will always be there, but what's gone is the emotion that kept us stuck. Okay. Okay. And that's really a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So what uh, possessed you to write the book? Well, <laughs> that book was a journey in itself. <laughs> it was supposed to be about spiritual development, journey to yourself, because the journey back to yourself is a spiritual journey, understanding who you truly are. But the more I wrote, the more chapters of trauma emerged. And so I thought, well, I can't put trauma healing and the whole spiritual journey into one book. I have like a thousand page book here. And so Journey to Yourself is a trilogy with how to heal from trauma being the first one. Mm -hmm. So it really emerged as I was writing. That's really how the book came to be. It was a process, just like every other journey. The more I wrote about trauma, the more ideas popped into my head what else I can write about because I wanted to create a book that not only talks about trauma but really demystifies it really goes into the depth of it and explain what's really happening when we're being traumatized what happens in the body in the mind with the emotions why we behave in certain ways how we can work on ourselves to release it so Really, it's, yeah, not your normal book about trauma healing. Okay. It's got exercises, room for notes, and challenging questions, you know, just all to help you on your journey. And this really was like my little passion project because I'm a person, I love to explain to people how things really work so that they can really understand it and do it themselves. You know, I just want, I don't want to just say, okay, come on, work with me. Of course I do, but I also want the readers to be able to walk the journey by themselves if this is what they want to do, because most people don't even know where to start. Right. And that's what I wanted to accomplish with my book, saying this is what it is, this is how it works, this is what you can do. There you go. How long did it take you to write it? Well... When you think about how I had to get over my limiting beliefs of why am I, <laughs> why am I the one to write this book? Mm -hmm. About a couple of years okay. with breaks in between. And yeah, I guess the first book always takes a little longer. Sure, sure. But it's a labor of love too. It is. I loved every minute of it. You sound like a really great person considering what you've been through. Thank you. Well, I healed. And I have nothing holding me back. I love what I do. I love life. What do you think, you know, because like, like you say, when you, when you went to talk, you know, when you finally went to a guy, somebody to talk to you and he said, well, you're already there, you're healed. Mm -hmm. What do you think you did to heal yourself? I mean, you obviously it was a struggle. It, it, it must've been a struggle to get to that point. <laughs> yes, it was. Well, it's when you hit rock bottom, then you start to think outside the box. Because just like everybody else, I believed counseling or therapy is the only way to help me heal because that's what everybody tells you. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, 
therapy failed me. He just dismissed me and decided I had healed when I knew I hadn't, but who am I to question a psychologist? Because you're not supposed to question those who are educated. Right. Well, and I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? I can either stay down here. Luckily, I was never drawn to drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky. But I also didn't like where I was. And so I just took one step at a time. And at some point, I started to realize that I was actually healing. But by then, I already had healed quite a bit. So looking back, mm-hmm. there was one moment that was a huge aha moment for me. It was when my last ex-boyfriend before my husband broke up with me. He said that he had already been through a relationship with a woman who had mental problems and he didn't need another one. Now, he didn't say it is mean. It was matter of factly. Sure. But this made me think. And this really made me look at myself and what I was doing in relationships. And as I was starting to observe myself, I noticed how I was sabotaging every relationship I was in. At first, it was nice. It was, it was wonderful. And then it's like I, I flipped a switch. And I kept on calling all the time. And I just wanted to see them all the time. And I started doubting the relationship. You know, the whole spiel. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well... I don't like who I am in relationships. I was really honest with myself. I said, I don't like who I am in relationships. And I decided that I'm not going to have another relationship until I like the person I am. And that was a really big aha moment for me. And that taught me that in order to really like heal my trauma, I have to look within. Mm-hmm. Really go deep and look at myself. Like, really question myself and what am I doing? Why am I feeling like this? You know, and then unravel. And that was really the key moment where I understood, okay, this is what I need to do. I have to look at myself really critically and not be afraid of what I'm going to see. And I just continued on doing this and it got easier and easier and I got deeper and deeper and it just started all to make sense. So it's not, it's not rocket science or anything that I wanted. It was just something that happened over time. And here I am. Sometimes it helps, you know, when you, when you have gone through something on your own. Yeah. Because then when you talk to somebody else who's struggling and maybe kind of apprehensive about talking to somebody like you, you know, to get that trauma fit, that that, that trauma worked on. It's a, it makes it a lot easier because you were yeah. able to do it on your own. Exactly. There's always like two components that I believe are very important. When you try to work with someone who has been through trauma, that A, you understand trauma, and B, mm-hmm. you have healed yourself. I've had clients come to me who said, I triggered my therapist. I had to calm my therapist down. And this is something that should not happen. And it wasn't just one client, it was several from all over the world who said that. Because a lot of therapists, counselors, psychologists, they go into trauma healing because they've been through trauma themselves. Mm 
mm-hmm. and want to help others. Yes, but if you don't heal your own past, how can you help someone else heal? This is not everybody. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying right, right. there are a few. So they do have great intentions, but if I went to a psychologist and I triggered him with my or her with my story, I would feel like if my story is too intense for my therapist, how am I supposed to overcome it? And then those people, you should don't go back to the therapist and just feel miserable because I feel they're story is too hard to handle and this is so important that someone who helps others through trauma sure has healed their own so that they don't get triggered Mm -hmm. i mean i have heard the most unbelievable stories they're horrible but i don't get triggered that's great and that's important for a therapist or right that's really great. Um, when you were talking about um, healing the trauma, how, how do people heal from that? How, how, you know, how, how does that work? Is it through talking to you? Is it process they have to go through, you know, a, a spiritual thing or, or, or how does that work? Well, it's different for everybody. Okay. <laughs> it depends where they are. But really, it's all about understanding the story and moving past it. In essence now with traumatic incident reduction it's a the modality is structured it's mm-hmm. always three steps and they're always the same after the initial session of course so you have the exploration where you talk about a person a place or a situation you just talk about it then the next three, maybe four sessions is called unblocking. Well, we have specific questions that we ask repeatedly until the answer is nothing else comes up. And this is a very interesting process simply because it allows the clients to really look at their trauma or that situation, personal place we're looking at from different angles and gradually release one trigger after another. Because the thing is, when we have a trigger that's right on the surface and we release that, the next trigger that was right underneath comes up and is be released then. So this is like a beautiful process where there's so many aha moments or Mm -hmm. the client says, wow, I didn't even remember that. This is so weird. I totally forgot about this. You know, so this is how the triggers gradually come to the surface. And when we both feel that the client is ready, we go into the actual TIR session where we, where the client talks about the traumatic incident repeatedly. Like sometimes I have 20, 30 repetitions of the same story, but this allows the client to really release the last trigger of that incident. Mm-hmm. And once this is done for most, the trauma has no meaning anymore. It's just like, I would say I have wooden floors. Mm -hmm. same thing and it's an amazing modality it's so fast and yeah now with coaching it's a little different because with coaching we don't have to go so deep because most of the work has already been done it's more about making sense of things like having aha moments shifting out of their mindset releasing limiting beliefs so 
trauma is very multifaceted simply because there's no one-size-fits-all approach and everybody reacts differently to trauma for many who come to me for coaching it's more like the self-sabotage the limiting beliefs the self-doubt the little voices in their head so we unravel where this is coming from through coaching and then as soon as they realize where it's coming from it's gone of course they have to challenge themselves a little bit so i give them homework let's mm -hmm. say their fear of speaking up so then they will have to put themselves in situations where they have to speak up and really challenge themselves and see that it's actually an amazing feeling when you hear yourself talk for the first time things like that so it's really different from person to person which is why i love being so versatile in how i work are they um timid when they come in to talk to you or are, or are they or are they at that point of, you know the point that they're coming in to see you they're ready to talk well it depends most of them are but mostly because we already had like a conversation before so they don't come to me as a stranger we usually have a talk over zoom or over the phone or they're heard from me from a friend so before we start with the actual sessions i already helped them to ease into it which is very important because when you're stressed when you're nervous not a good start so but yeah usually they're a little nervous but it's okay what do you think is the best part about what you do? For me, seeing that spark in their eyes when they have their first big realization and start to release. This moment, it's the best gift. That first sigh of relief, that smile, this, you can literally hear this rock that's falling. That I think is the best thing. Seeing them transform and get a new life, get their life back. That for me is the most amazing thing. Now, after you spend a day listening to everybody's stories, how, how do you unwind to, to, to get that off, you know, to release that? Because I know, you know, listening to that stuff, I, I'm not cutting anybody to ribbons, don't take it wrong, but listening to that stuff over and over can really, mm -hmm. you know, get to you after a while. Well, if it gets too intense, a soft foot bath and Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> 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 that always does it. <laughs> Hey, and Danica McKellar has the first one this year, too. Yeah. Nice. I saw wait. that last night. <laughs> She's got the lead one on the on the, on the first Friday. Um, what you do is so wonderful with people. Thank you. You know, because there's so many people that, that, that suffer from trauma. And like you say, it doesn't have to be abuse. It could be different types of trauma that somebody's going that somebody's gone through in their life. It could be, like you say, my mother. I never realized if my mother... Um, that tr some trauma that she must have had at one time because she was very jumpy in the car. Mm -hmm. And there were times when she would be as a passenger, she would just, you know, do this in the car. So something somewhere along the line happened with her that I wasn't aware of. So is she generally very controlling? No. Or likes to be in control or perfectionist? No. No? No. Then yeah, then something must have happened in the yeah, car. Something, where, something somewhere along the line. Yeah, where something she I was never. Control. My sister probably knows. I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. but it always struck me growing up because I remember seeing that, or even when I was driving, she would 
she would do this in the car, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd laugh and go, okay. Or she'd grab a hold of something, you know, hold on in the car. Yeah. Um, you know, it was always that. Was that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, it's just not abuse being beat up. It's not sexual abuse. It's, it's other, it's other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it could be small stuff that, that got to somebody, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you're at the park and one fourth of July and a firecracker goes off too close to you or, you know, to where you're at or something. And it's a trigger, just like mm -hmm. that would be like PTSD, you know, to go through. Yeah, exactly. Most so, people yeah. think that abuse is just the big stuff. Right. Or trauma is just the big stuff, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's the little things that we don't even realize as trauma, but as long as we, it keeps coming up, we're traumatized because if we didn't care about it, why is it keep coming up? Like mm -hmm. friends in school, they say something and you know, we didn't like it, but I was like, ah, eh. I was like, yeah, two years later, why do you still think about it? Right because you're still being triggered by it so you're being traumatized you may not it may not seem like trauma but it is because you're still focusing on that and it still makes you feel bad or maybe you're out with a parent you know and you're like maybe five or six years old and the parent gets into an argument with somebody mm -hmm. and there's an argument going back and forth and you're in the public place i mean that's traumatizing for a kid yeah yeah so it doesn't have to be that the heavy duty stuff do you um, get to talk to many children or, or, or is that not in your part of what you do? No, but I do talk to parents yeah. who okay. would like to have help with children. Sure. That's what I do. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Basically from yeah. mom to mom. Right. So, because I believe that when children have trauma, the best people to help them through is the parents. But of course, they need some ideas on how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, no, if I talk to parents and, or through the parents to the child, directly with children now. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go that way. When, when a parent comes into you to talk about a kid that's, that's having issues, what type of advice would, would you give them? Or, or what would you tell them? Well, it was, I know it depends on the case. <laughs> so I would, first we would talk about what's going on. If they know why the child is behaving like this. For a child, the most important thing is honest communication. Really, it depends how old the child is, but if a child is very young, articulating their emotions is very difficult because they're still growing into their emotions. Mm -hmm. They're just acting out and they have no idea why they feel so angry, for example. So it's about finding a way to talk to the child that the child can understand. So I always tell parents that go on the level of your child and talk to the child as a child. You know, just like when I was bullied, I was 16 years old and I went to my grandma and I told her about it. And she was like, I'll just ignore them. They're going to stop. <laughs> well, of course they didn't. I mean, adult, as an adult, this is what you would tell another adult, just ignore them. But kids are not adults. You know, so when you know your child's being bullied in school, try and put yourself into how your child is actually feeling. If you've been bullied in school, go back to that time and remember how you felt and what you wish someone would have done or said, and then talk to your child. 
So this is very important that we go back to the level of the child and not look at it from the adult's perspective. Because we've been through this. We know the child doesn't know. But we have to go back to the child's level so that they can understand. Okay, so this is why they are doing that. You know, empower them with knowledge. Why do other kids bully us? Because they're jealous of something. They want to feel strong. We're, I don't know, we're loners, you know, so we're the best target. And there's so many reasons. But helping kids understand that bullies are sad or upset too. And they just find their strength in hurting others. Mm -hmm. To help a kid understand that in their own language can make all the difference. You think... um... Like, you know, some of these shows, TV shows, you see where where the uh, where child bullies grow up to be adult bullies. You do you think there's a lot of stuff going, like that? I mean, why is that? I mean, why is it they 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 never get that? You know, I just had a V eight kind of thing going on, and 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 come out of that. Well, for the most part, bullies are created. So then we almost have to look at how was it at school, at home. You know, how did the parents behave? Was the father a bully, the mother? Did they just not pay attention to the child? Was he always dismissed, not taken seriously, not being nurtured as should as a child? Uh Or was he abused, you know, and just masking the abuse by being controlling and bullying because they found that this works and it makes them feel in control? Because when we're being traumatized, what we have to understand is the first thing we lose is our sense of being in control. It's like we have our sense of control being taken away from us. That's why we have so many perfectionists or people with OCD because they want to try and compensate for loss of control. So whatever they can control makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, but if but it's still a hole that the trauma is still there. So we're never happy with the control we're trying to create as a perfectionist or control freak. And this just gets worse and worse and worse because we cannot connect the dots. Okay. And so, and if a child was abused at home and turned into a bully because of it, and this is the only way they felt in control was by controlling others or they learned it from home, then yeah, they become bully adults makes, sense. makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense now you do other work besides this trauma work right yes tell me a little <laughs> bit about that okay well i'm also a reiki master so i teach and practice reiki before i founded rise above your story i had another business called seraphina Fay, where i offered handmade jewelry now the more i went into trauma healing Mm -hmm. the more i shifted out from the other business and at some point closed it because it was tax wise it was too much work honestly Mm -hmm. there are two businesses so i still have the jewelry on my website but not really as a main point more like because i love creating jewelry and yeah so i do a lot of spiritual work I work through Akashic Records. I do ancestral trauma healing. So the trauma, the trauma that we pass on, get passed on through generations. 
which is okay. also a very interesting subject that I love. Absolutely. And yeah, because there's a lot of things that we hold on to that isn't even ours. But we still have to limiting beliefs of self-sabotaging behavior because it was passed on through the generations to us. And releasing that is just like releasing trauma. It can hold us back without us even realizing it. Is that where generational curses kick in? When people talk about a generational curse? <laughs> well, I can tell you about a generational curse that I released with a client. Okay. That was created 500 years ago. No, more, 700, 1500s, yes. It was, a client came to me and she said she believes that there's a curse on the family. And she said, well, she has three sisters. And two sisters, there are three sisters together. One is narcissistic. The other one stays out of everything. And she was kicked out of the family. And she said the same as with her mother and her two sisters. One was a narcissist, one was kicked out of family, and one just stayed quiet and was anxious all the time. So, and when we see those patterns, we think it's learned behavior, but it's not. It's trauma that's been passed down for generations. So, when we look in the past, I use the Akashic Records to go further back. Now, the Akashic Records are like a library where from every soul that ever lived on a planet, like all the lives and all the lives they're going to live. So all the information you can find in there, just like a little bit of info is. And so I use that to go into the past lives. So I look into the ancestral line and in the 1500s was where this family curse was created by three sisters. Oh. And the story was that they were living in a village. They were all in marrying age and were hoping for a husband. And a man came into town who was looking for a bride. And he fell in love with all those three sisters. And he decided he would marry the strongest one. So he started to court all of them, but didn't tell one another, you know, and just so they were like talking amongst each other and were bickering and fighting over this guy because they all wanted him. And so one got completely anxious and traumatized by all this. One got kicked out of the family. One became a narcissist and the narcissist was the strongest one. And that's who he married. Now this sounds like a freaking romance novel. I know, but <laughs> that's what happened. And ever since then, whenever there were three sisters born, this family line that happened with the issue with those three sisters because it was never released, you know, the three sisters never reconciled. And so the trauma was passed on through generations until now where we can move into releasing it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I got a question in the chat room is how far back can you go in the Akashic records? I haven't found the limit yet. <laughs> To be honest, I think it depends on many lifetimes we were on Earth. Okay. Really. That makes sense too. Yep. Wow. Yeah, because I know people, uh, you know, that, that that think they might have generational curses on them. Oh, we all do. <laughs> That's the thing we all do. I have 
released so many from myself, contracts, curses, <laughs> and trauma, and yes, it's it's truly fascinating, really. It is and fascinating. How much your life can change when you release stuff that wasn't even yourself. We don't even realize that, how it is affecting us. I mean, before I started doing this work, of course, I healed my own ancestral trauma, and I still have stuff mm -hmm. come out every once in a while. But it's more fascinating than terrifying, really. Were you able, because a lot of uh, people that do that kind of work can't do work on, do, can't work on themselves. This is why I find this fascinating that, that, that you can do that. Because a lot of people say, oh, no, I can't work on myself. It has to be somebody else. Well, they're right. Because you have to take a step back from doing this. Just like I don't do, I don't read my own tarot cards. Okay, because right. I want the outcome so bad, so I try to fabricate what I want to see, you know? So I know that, so I have other people to read my tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Yes, or when I use my pendulum outside the Akashic Records. Right. And I don't ask questions for myself because I know that I have to take a mental distance to really just look at it like for any other client and not let my emotions guide me. Yes, it can be tricky, so you really have to be strong to do this like the emotional strength to take a step back and not being overwhelmed by it but with the akashic records it's because it's not me it's my ancestors so in the way i use it i ask specific questions that i can't get emotionally involved and it's impossible you know so it's really how you ask the questions really mm -hmm. and yeah, it's truly interesting what came up over the years. Fascinating. You know what? This hour has blown by. I've learned so much from you about trauma and now the Akashic Records. I would love to have you on just to talk about your 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 work with the Akashic Records. I would love to. I can okay, give you uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be emailing you after the show. Right on air if you like. I, I'll be emailing. Sure, that would be great. In fact, I got openings in November, so I will email you after the okay. show. And we'll figure something out, okay? That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate it. And I hope your book does well. And I hope you do well. Thanks so like much. Like I said, we're, we're going to get her back on because we want to talk about the, the other <laughs> stuff she does, too. Okay. She's, she's multi-talented. All right. Well, you have a good evening. Oh, how, how can people find you? Okay. Well, people can find me on my website rise above your story i have both the trauma healing and the ancestral healing on it okay and people can just send me a message through there i'm on facebook sandra the trauma whisperer i'm on linkedin sandra coos instagram yes but i'm hardly ever on there so please don't message me because i won't see it until months later <laughs> <laughs> just a warning so i guess facebook is the best bet or contact me through my website and looking forward to hearing from you all right sounds good thank you so much and i will be emailing tonight to set up a perfect a day in oh it. my god that sounds great okay all right thank you sandra thank you have a good evening you too okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. All right, I learned so much, and I hope you guys did too. I really do. Tomorrow we're going to be on at noon um, because we're going to be taking a trip to Ireland. Well, not really, but um, our our, <laughs> our guest is in Ireland, Mariel Ford Clark, who's going to be talking about what happens to our loved ones after they die. And 
and uh, do they cross over or what happens dur during that death process. So she's going to be joining us tomorrow and uh, it should be a pretty good, it should be a pretty good show. What I will do for people that come in later, uh, you know, the usual time for the people that are working, I will do, a, I will post a replay of the show on Facebook for you guys. And of course you guys can always go to YouTube. Um, on that note, Thank you. You guys, our numbers are, are, are rising, like I always tell you. Um, you see that ticker at the bottom? This is all self-supported. I, I, I pay for all this. I pay for all the equipment that we have, everything. And uh, we want to keep these shows on the air. And I'm, I'm being very honest about that. You know, the, the, like you know, with everybody else, money's tight. So that's, you know, we're trying to keep these shows on the air. If you guys could find it in your heart to donate at paypal.me at California Haunts, I promise you it all goes into this show. Every every last dime of that goes into this show. So I really appreciate it. Um, YouTube is an issue. YouTube is a problem because we need over 100 subscribers in order to have a dedicated URL. Right now we don't have that. And if you could you know, find it in your heart to go over YouTube, but the problem with that is that because there's no dedicated URL, you cannot find us. You cannot find us at all. I don't care how you do it, because I've tried. I've tried it for my cell phone. I've tried it for my computer. Not going to happen. The best way to do that is to go to our radio site at www.californiahauntsradio.com and click on the video that's on the front page. and That'll take you over to our YouTube site. Then you can subscribe from there. Because as soon as we hit that 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 100 or more mark, we're going to get our URL, and then I can send you directly over there to YouTube. Also, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. But again, I want to thank you all for coming. And I'm going to show you one more time. Um, let me get on here. I'm going to show you Sandra's information one more time and where you can get her book. And here this is. And it's website, riseaboveyourstory.com. And the book you can get at Amazon. And the book is called Journey to Yourself. So, again, thank you guys for coming, and I will see you tomorrow at noon.